Welcome to the In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast, resources, and other ways to get connected, please visit inthelight.church. Well, let me get into this time. Um, I want to read to you a scripture. It's found in Matthew 9. Let's just get into it. Is that cool? All right. It says this. Speaking of Jesus, it says, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And then in verse 23 of that same chapter, it says, and when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went through all that district. So did you catch that? Jesus was asked to come to this uh, man's house who his daughter had died. The man believed that all Jesus had to do was put his hand on her and say the word. He goes there, and there's a crowd of people that are laughing at what he just said when he said, she's sleeping. So he puts some people on a timeout outside of the room and then proceeds to conduct a miracle in bringing this girl back to life. So we're going to talk about there. Just, just kind of, I just want you to know, um, be familiar with that story. So uh, it, let's go back 28 years. In, in a particular building, there gathered a youth group, which I was a part of, of about 40-plus youth. About 15 of those were good friends of mine, of the 40-plus. And if you were to go there and kind of, just kind of, take a temperature of the place in the atmosphere, you would find that in going there, maybe like a fly on the wall, that it was, it disregarded authority. Um, you would find there that it was dysfunctionally fun. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like you're having fun, but it's actually like really bad, the type of fun that we're having. And that was the atmosphere that you found there. So me and 15 uh, of my friends, and, and so for me, um, I was kind of like influential in that youth group at that time, and you would, well, for me, I was insecure, and, and so some of that insecurity came out in the way that I would talk about the leaders, and so I would say things like, these guys don't know what they're doing, and they're from some other place that they don't understand our the urban situation in our families, and, and we would be saying a lot behind the scenes towards our leaders and towards that youth group. And the only reason we went was just to have fun. It was like a place to go to have fun, and there was video games there, and there was pizza, and there was, you know, different things that we would do. So that's where we go. we go to um, have fun. And so because of those 15 friends out of all those people, we basically established an atmosphere. 
Because those friends didn't just listen and we would talk back and forth. They agreed. They agreed that this was the case, that these adults didn't know what they were doing and they're here and they're just kind of like, um, as long as they open the building for us, we can do what we want to do and we can get over on them because they're not street smart, all, all these things. And so it was an atmosphere that was treating things as common where God couldn't do much and it was dysfunctionally fun and we were disregarding adults. The atmosphere was created through our speech. So by way of communication and the words that were being communicated and the people who were agreeing with it that were influential were basically creating the atmosphere that controlled it for all the rest. Everybody else experienced with those influential few, which I was a part of, shamefully was a part of, um, created something that was pretty toxic at that time. We have tribes as well. That was my tribe. We all have tribes. We have tribes at work. We have tribes, we have friends that we get around. We have, we have tribes maybe in family. We have tribes in school. We have that cluster, that group that huddles together and you talk about things and what you might not be aware of in your tribe is that you're setting an atmosphere that some people might not want to be around when they're around. Or some people are actually attracted to because they agree with the atmosphere that you're in. Isn't it funny how you can find the people who are most disgruntled at work know how to find each other around a water cooler or whatever else? They just know how to find each other. And, and, and you can come in and you enjoy your job. But then these other ones create an atmosphere because of the influence that they have that makes your job suck. Just because of the things that they've talked about and agreed to, they set an atmosphere in that workplace. You can go in, you know, in, in, in homes or in schools or wherever it is, you go into places, and where you find people are talking and agreeing on something, they end up setting up an atmosphere in a place. So we need to be aware of atmospheres. We got to be aware of atmospheres because atmospheres have basically been created by talk that has happened and people who have agreed. Are you following me? Talk creates atmosphere. In Matthew 12, 34, it says, out of the, uh, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart the mouth speaks. So what lives in here gets talked about out with this. So out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And it says in Proverbs 18.21 that there is power on the tongue to speak life or death. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's what it talks about. So but how does it even get in there? How does it get in my heart so that it becomes something that's on my tongue that after I speak, I contribute to an atmosphere that's either contributing to life or death? How did it get in there? Well, I'll just suggest to you that the way it even gets into our heart in the first place is the atmospheres that we're around. So we're in an atmosphere. We're in a place where maybe there's negative speak. There's 
talks about limitation. There's complaining, there's bickering, there's frustration, there's fear, there's anger. And so it's in that environment and in that place, and maybe you as a child didn't even realize, I grew up in a house that was very hostile, was very harsh, was very belittling, was very critical, whatever. But in that atmosphere that's in that place that you were in your upbringing or that you were around primarily, that atmosphere gets in you. How did you even get that? How's that atmosphere even there? Because of talk. And it's this cycle. It's cycle of atmospheres that are being created and atmospheres we're stepping into and they're creating something in us. So we're in this atmosphere. It gets into our heart. And what we begin to do is speak of that atmosphere that got inside of us. And how you know that atmosphere as a child is just, it was things that were talked about. It's things that were spoken. Things were being said. And then little, little known to us, we probably just were okay with it and it was normal to us. So in some ways we agreed with it whether we liked it or not. We might have not liked it. But then we end up agreeing with it, and when we agree with it, we contribute to it. Faith talks. Faith talks. So, so out of our heart, our mouth speaks, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. The atmosphere that gets into your heart then becomes the atmosphere that you're comfortable living with. Come on now. Now you're comfortable living around it. That's why I said people know how to gravitate towards each other, that it might not be always a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes like, this is my crew. We're agreeing to, we're bringing positive change into the place, right? Or, or, or we're going to be upbeat about things. Or we're going to speak about possibilities, not impossibilities. And then you, you, you just get around those things and you start to, but that's what you're comfortable living with. Some people are comfortable living with atmospheres that are conducive to faith, and other people are comfortable living in things that are conducive to fear and anxiety and paranoia. So the atmosphere that's in here is the atmosphere that you're comfortable with. So fake news is a big thing nowadays. Would you agree? Fake news is, is basically people that have an agenda. They have an agenda of what they want to create. They want to create an atmosphere, an atmosphere of fear, of suspicion, of racial division, of a bunch of other things, of paranoia, of, of not trusting leadership. It's quiet. And, and so what they do is they put some, they craft together a message, and basically the ones who believe it are the ones who already agree with it. Basically, the ones who can't discern it are the ones because it's an atmosphere that's already in them, so it's easy for them to side with the stuff that's fake. And so fake news has an agenda to create an atmosphere, and I just want to contrast that with faith news also has an agenda, just like fake news does. Faith news is there to talk about something to get some agreement so it creates an atmosphere. Faith talks to get agreement, to create an atmosphere 
where the supernatural can happen. That's why it's so important to be able to be exposed and to hear faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's so important that faith talks because faith is not just talking for its own benefit, but faith is talking for your benefit so that you can come into an agreement with something and all of a sudden you come into agreement with faith talk and faith news and atmosphere is set. And where faith is spoken, the supernatural can naturally happen. So faith cannot shut up what's in its heart. When faith comes and faith hits, it needs to speak up. So faith actually is active on the lips. It can't just stay inside. This is what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 20, 19. It says, this word, this word that got into me, this word. I've, he says, basically, he said, I try to be quiet because there's a bunch of people who don't agree with me. There's a bunch of people who are laughing at the things that I'm saying. Just because I'm, say, because I'm speaking it from you. So Jeremiah is this high priest who kind of goes AWOL. And he's different than all the other high priests because this prophetic spirit comes on him. And he starts to declare things and speak things to get people, the people of God, back into worship. God, all, all that stuff. And he's, he's like, man, I just want to stay shut because they ain't saying nothing to me. I want to stay shut because every time I say something, I get persecuted. And he says... He's sort of like a woe is me moment, and then he's like, but when that word gets in me, when your word gets in me, I cannot stay shut. When your word gets in my heart, it says, when it gets in there, it creates something. It's like this atmosphere of fire. It's like fire in my bones so that I cannot stay shut. It needs to get on my lips, and it needs to be broadcasted out. It's... it's it creates an atmosphere inside of them that can't stay shut. So, so, so fake news is not the only loud thing out there. Or fearful news is not the only, only thing out there. Even though you might see it more, and it happens more often than not, and there's a lot of huddles and tribes that you can pick of where fearful, apprehension, skeptical people congregate, there's also what's loud is faith. Faith is loud. Faith speaks up. Faith has a voice. Faith has a sound. This is so, so, so faith is not just like this internal thing that nobody else knows about. Like, I'm just thinking this. I'm just thinking. I'm just believing this. I'm just, no, no, no. It, 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 it's so in you that it has to come out of you. It, it's, it's just... It should overtake us so that we're speaking it and not just thinking it. In Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it says, mountains move, basically. He says, if you speak to this mountain and you tell it to move, it will move. We hear that, right? It's like if you have faith as small as a seed of a must, and you say something to a mountain, but here's the key. You got to say something. You actually got to say something. You can't sit there and just like... Stare the mountain down with all this belief going on inside. It's like, no, you actually got to, it's not a staring contest. It's not an outthinking contest. It says when faith, that kind of faith is spoken to a mountain, it will move when you speak. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm trying, guys. It's so simple. So simple. So simple. Mountains move when faith speaks up. 
So, so I don't know if you, if you really get this, I think you'll get to the place where when you get home, you might realize, you know what, there's a mountain of depression in my house. And I just got a good word that faith speaks. Instead of overthinking, this atmosphere is a mountain that's a vision blocker that's, that's causing us to live under this cloud of oppression. When I step into my house, I'm just going to announce that depression, you got to go. I don't know if you're upstairs. I don't know if you're hiding in the closet. I don't know where you are. But I know you're here. You got to move out. See, see, that's the type of power that you have. When you speak in faith towards mountains. I remember uh, with my, uh, one of my kids, they were having night terrors. This was back in the day. They were having night terrors, and they would wake up in the morning, and they would be screaming. It was like this blood-curdling cry, and we would run over to the room, finding out what's going on uh, as we were jarred out of our sleep. This would happen like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, go over there, and, and there he would be, this is one of my sons. My son would be there freaking out. And, and then we would just kind of quiet him down. There was a couple of times we just quieted him down, reassured him, and, and, then, and then just kind of went back to our room. This kept happening night after night. And you, you, you would think you would get it after the first night or the second night, but this would happen, it would happen at different times, night after night. And it was, it was one of those things that we were so tired, you know, like as parents, you're just so tired, you're just like, it's... Just go to bed, just go to bed. All right, it's okay, I'll rub your back, whatever. And then, and then go back. You're like, you're not fully cognizant of what's really happening here. So this one night, it was like, man, this has been happening a lot. So I get up, I go over there, and at this particular moment, he's like looking around the room, like, like there's something there. Freaked me out. And then it was like, he was complaining that his brother was like, and I don't even know how his brother slept through it, but his brother was sleeping and it wasn't even near him. He's like, his brother kept touching him and, and messing with him. I was like, okay, there's something else going on here. So I just kind of, I just like, it, it's, it's like one of those things, I can't even reason with him, he's so young. I can't even talk to him about like the spiritual nature of what I'm sensing is happening. It's none of that stuff. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna, I need, like, it's okay, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna pray to Jesus and so I started praying. I prayed out loud. I didn't pray in my head. I prayed out loud. And I prayed things even beyond what he might have understood at that moment. But I prayed and I rebuked every evil spirit that's trying to torment my children and torment this house. So I started rebuking it and, and, and just, just casting stuff out and, and moving things aside. And I said, and, and Jesus, if he gets a good night's sleep tonight, I will know it was on point. That what we were doing was spiritual warfare more than, you know, just a, a kid that was waking up in the middle of the night because he had a bad dream. I wanted to know that it was something else going on. Rest of the night, sound asleep. And it was, uh, it was just so powerful. So the reality of that spiritual warfare, we found out other things about that home in the future um, or like uh, not too long after that. And we also brought over our pastors and our elders from our nice Mennonite church that we were going to in that time, and they came over and they anointed some things. So we just like re reassured some stuff. We just like, all right, I know I prayed and I did what I had to do, and it's been good, but we just want to shore it up. And they came over and they prayed and blessed, and, and, and sure enough, that was not an issue. That was not an issue for him to experience that stuff. But what I want to illustrate with that is that faith spoke up, that, that, that we need, if we're going to move mountains, we actually have to move our lips. 
we have to start saying something. We have to speak the word of God that will be like fire in our bones that should not just be contained inside, but the atmosphere that's in here needs to come out of here and begin to set an atmosphere over here and out there where things are happening. Individual faith changes situations for us. Listen to this. Our individual faith can change situations for us. Just an individual situation gets changed. So if you have a situation, use faith, speak up, and move that mountain. However, corporate, corporate faith, corporate agreement makes it so that it's not just me moving my individual mountain, but we making sure that we live in an atmosphere that no mountain is in our way, that we push back all the mountains for everyone. Are you following me? So this is a little different. So there's a faith that moves mountains, but there's a, a corporate faith. When you come into agreement with faith news that actually sets atmospheres up so that mountains are not even an issue, that the supernatural atmosphere is created. And that's what we need, guys. We need atmospheres that get created. Atmospheres that as soon as you come into it, you know, God can do something here. Something's changing my, by me just being here. Something is happening to me. Something, some, some, of, some people have experienced that they just want to get out of church because that's how powerful the anointing is. Uh, in the sense they want to get out of church because of how the, the stuff that's on their life, the oppression, the fear, all th these things that sometimes demonically oppress people, there's a, it gets confronted when you come into a faith environment. And so some people don't know what to do with that. They would say it's an anxiety attack. I'm saying it's the atmosphere is here to deliver you from your anxiety. But if you want to just go where your anxiety is taking you, that's one thing. But it's actually there's an atmosphere here that actually can set you free and bring breakthrough. So we want to create atmospheres. It's good. I, I want us to be able to move individual mountains and change situations, but we need to create atmospheres. And atmospheres are changed when we come into agreement. It's like, it's like a verbal handshake. When you say amen, that's a verbal handshake. It's like when you say yes to something that you hear God saying or being spoken into a place, when you say yes, it's like a verbal high five. The amen is so be it, right? So be it, do it. Make it happen. So amen is not just something that we should just be saying because we are in a charismatic church and this is like how we express ourselves. It's a lot more substantial than that, y'all. When you say amen, you're saying so be that. Make that happen. I agree with that. High five. That's a good word. And something starts to get established. You want something to happen here. The amen brings it around us. It creates it. It's part of your participation because it's not one person enforcing it. It's two people who are saying, we agree. We agree. Here's what it says in this scripture right here in Matthew 18. And again, 18, 19. And again, I say to you, if two of you agree, one says something and the other amends it, on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, 
I'm there. That's the atmosphere. I'm in that atmosphere when two or more are gathered and they are in agreement. Amen? Faith talks in order to find agreement. See, this is why Jesus went to the Jews first. This is why Jesus went to the Jews. He said, I came for the Jews because the thing that he was looking to do was to establish the power and the kingdom of heaven, right? So he was looking to bring that. But he didn't want to get into a place where he had to convince people first in, in, in the sense where I got to start from like, like, like ground zero. Like there's no, there's no agreement at all. So what does he do? He goes to the Jews who there is some agreement. So there's three universal laws, three universal laws. At least I can. There's three universal laws. One is the moral law. Another universal law is uh, the natural laws. And there's a third um, universal laws, and that's the supernatural laws. So you might be in a place where you might agree with one out of the three, uh, or you might have two of them. Three of them is, is preferable to understand them. So basically, the moral law, the universal moral law, is there in the Ten Commandments. It's the Ten Commandments. It's how we are to live. It's how we live. We are God-fearing. We are God-conscious. So the Ten Commandments were put in place for us to have a moral guidelines of how we should live. Are you following me? So it's moral. It's how we should live. But then you have the natural which is basically science. It's the law of science. It's gravity. It's all the things. It's the stuff you around you. It's the facts. It's the things that you can study and are proven. You follow me? So those are those, are those um, laws. But then there's a third, which is the supernatural, and that is the law of grace. It's the law of grace. It's not the moral law. It's not the natural law of science. It's the supernatural, and that supernatural Universal laws are the laws of grace. It's basically stuff that we don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. It's things that God does. So what is? So why do I say all that stuff? So here is Jesus. He comes, and he comes, and he talks to the Jews because unlike the, everybody else around, everybody else, the Greeks and what have you, they have their own understanding of morality and all this other stuff. But what they would more... What, what they were more accustomed to was the science part, like the natural laws. They can observe stuff like that. So they're, they're good with the natural laws, but Jesus didn't want to talk about the natural laws. He didn't want to talk about facts. He wanted to get to the place where you were in agreement with the moral laws, and those moral laws in the Ten Commandments basically speak that God, that God, uh, Yahweh, had a covenant commitment to his children, so it's easier from getting to the moral laws of the covenant commitment to beginning to understand grace. He would jump over the natural. He's like, okay, I created the natural. I created the science. I created all the stuff that you're studying. But I don't need that for what I'm trying to do. What I need is you to get an agreement. If we're in agreement with the moral laws that I am a good God and you are God-conscious people, and not worldly conscious people. Worldly conscious is I'm, I'm aware of the science and I'm aware of the, the, how things work and how the unit, whatever, all the stuff that you can study and look at. He's like, that's not going to help me from going from natural to supernatural. 
because people get stuck in the facts. Hashtag facts. They get stuck on facts. And for what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people to a place where if we get agreement on facts and then I'm trying to do something supernatural, it's going to be harder to get there because a lot of these facts are logical and it's illogical where I'm about to take them and what I'm about to do with them and what I'm trying to create. So I'm going to go to the place where the Jews understand my, uh, the morality, the, the Ten Commandments, that I'm a God who's committed to them, and then I'm going to jump right over the natural laws to get them into a place where they understand my grace and my power I'm going to talk to the people who have a fear of God more about the facts of the universe. The fear of God has to do with the moral law, and fear has to do with reverence and respect for who God is. So I want to talk to the people who have a reverence for God because they, they're going to, we're going to agree on something. We'll start there. Do you have a fear of God? Do you have a reverence for God? I'm going to talk to those people right there. We're going to get into agreement. So that I can begin to do some of these supernatural things. But I just need agreement on that so I can get over here to the grace side. Are you following me? Because I'm going to deal with, I'm, I'm, I'm going to minister to, I want to minister to the Gentile. God wants to minister to the Gentile. He wants to minister to all people. But he had to find a place of agreement first. And the Jews, it was easier finding agreement with the Jews who understood him through the Ten Commandments and all those other stuff than the people who are just living by the facts of life where some of those facts can end up being fake news if God wants to do something different than the facts. Am I going too fast? So he goes to the Jews first in order to bring about these things. So let's, let's, let's connect this all now. We're going to connect this. We're going to connect this to the first scripture that we read. Jesus hears from this ruler about his dead daughter, that he said, if you come to my house and lay hands on her, she will, be, she will, she will live. Jesus goes there. And look, look at what happens. Jesus gets into a room with a bunch of people playing flutes and crying. He gets into an atmosphere where everybody accept, has accepted death. Everybody has accepted the bad report. Everybody, everybody is taking their logical conclusion, their facts, the science of the thing, and that's what they're reporting. And Jesus comes, of course, and what does faith do? Faith talks. So he comes in there, faith comes and says something and talks. And when faith talks, people started Laughing. No, no, he's like, she's just sleeping. She's just sleeping, y'all. <laughs> Look at this guy. Sleeping. This guy doesn't know the facts. No, she's sleeping. And they laugh, and he's like, okay, I know what atmosphere I have here. Clear out. Get these guys out. You get out. Come over here. Come on. Go outside. Go outside. That, that, that'll work out there. But the Father has asked me to be in here. And when he has asked me, I've agreed to come. We've got to do something else with this atmosphere. And the people in the room are not helping it. There's an atmosphere we need to change. There's an atmosphere of supernatural. And everybody that's in this room at this moment is not helping with that atmosphere. So clear out. 
Jesus cleared out the room. I'm totally convinced at the age of probably pretty much all my teenage life, the reason why God couldn't do nothing in that youth group is because I was in the room. I'll take that. I will take that. That I put something in that place and I create an atmosphere with my insecure friends and controlled that thing so made it so that the supernatural never happened. God could never do anything. Even though it was a church setting, doesn't mean God's presence was being honored. I'll take that. I'll take that. And that's, that's heartbreaking, but that's real. And instead of God coming through him and clearing me out, he's like, I just won't come. I ain't going to come into that place. Because the atmosphere of the heart and the things that they're speaking only invite death. Death to relationships. Death to um, understanding and honoring authority. There's death. There's a bunch of dead ends in this place. And um, so what does that look like for us? Like, will we be able to be in a room? Can we come into agreement with the report of the Lord and what he might be saying about something? So there's a bunch of people in the room that are basically reporting what's natural. It's natural. It's like they're, they're, they're keeping the atmosphere so that only the natural progression of things is what happens. That's the only thing that's happening, the natural progressions. She got sick, and now she's dead. That's the natural progression of things. That is the science behind it. That's the facts behind it. That is the natural order of things. And that's what was in the room. And Jesus says, I can't get from the natural to the supernatural. I need to get with people who fear me and are a little bit more God conscious of me and reverence with what I carry. So when I start to speak that and do that, there will be an agreement. So there's an atmosphere that brings life and doesn't contribute to death. So he clears the room, because he needs to create an atmosphere where the supernatural can happen. So he has to keep the people in the room. If you would notice, he only took like Peter, James, and John, and like, and Pops was there. He didn't even take the rest of the disciples. And I'm just going to get these guys who understand and see some things. All I need is two or more. That's it. Two or more. But I know I can have definitely two people here, and all I need is an agreement with what I'm saying. And if I can have an agreement in that place to the things that I'm speaking, the things that are the atmosphere that's in my heart, as I speak them out, the abundance from me comes out that no one doesn't shut it down, no one laughs at it, no one says, that ain't happening, not over here in, in, in this hood, in this, in, in, this, in this house, that they don't shut that thing down, but they let that thing flow. And let that thing manifest. So he clears out the room, takes a few people with him. What does he do? He creates an atmosphere. He creates an atmosphere through agreement. And that atmosphere that's found in that agreement is what is needed to bring that little girl back to life. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Subscribe to our podcast and social media outlets to be kept up to date with everything going on at In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia.